The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome once again to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba Remax Metro East Side, And I'm Eric Osnes from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Yes, you are. And it's yet another Tuesday where from 3 to 4 p.m. we are talking about real estate, mortgage, and all things related. That's right. And this is a live call-in show. If yes. you have questions for us or our guest, give us a ring. You can reach us toll-free at 866-712-1300. You might want to say that one again, because I have a feeling we have people who might call in today. It's a possibility, 866-712-1300. Yeah, we're going to be going head-to-head with the city of Seattle today. Oh, yes. I'm so excited about this show. So we have Sean Martin from the Rental Housing Association of Washington on with us today. Now, we're of course, we're going to first segment, do some of our typical stuff. We'll talk mm-hmm. about some mortgage rates, things going on in the industry, and our classes coming up. But Sean, say hello to our listeners. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so excited that you're here because uh, we had fun putting our promo together for this week because as Jen had said when we were talking about it last week, it's going to be spicy. (laughs) (laughs) You said all the things I can't say publicly, hopefully, in that. Yes, yes. So we're super excited to have you here to talk about this lawsuit that's been filed against the city of Seattle for the new rental ordinance. But uh, we're going to get to you in just a few minutes. But thank you so much for being here. Uh, Eric, would we like to jump right into some of the other normal things we do here so that we can get that out of the way and get right to the meat of what we have to talk about? Well, absolutely. If uh, you're referring to current interest rate environment. Yes, I am. Yeah, a little better than last week. Oh, good. So, yes, they had gone up last week. Yeah, we had a little bit of a, a, little bit of a rally. And so mm-hmm. far this week, we're so far so good. And uh, a lot of the, um, the rally in the rates right now is just kind of it's the beginning of the month. And so bond traders, they unload their positions at the end of the month. They can kind of load them back up at the beginning of the month. So mm-hmm. kind of took hold pretty good yesterday. So first first full day of April. Okay. And, uh, and so that's uh, led to a little bit of a downward pressure on, on interest rates. Uh, today, we're, we're pretty much flat, but the average conforming 30-year fixed rate mortgage right now is hovering right around 4.125%, down about an eighth of a percent from last week. Uh, 15-year fixed rates are hovering around 3.375, three and three-eighths. FHA, 30-year fixed rates, 3.75. And uh, good time if you're a first-time buyer out there. Uh, rates are still really good. And there are still some special programs out there for first buyers, first-time buyers, including yes. zero down mm-hmm. or discounts on the cost of mortgage insurance. We have ways to cut the cost of PMI mm-hmm. almost in half. Yeah. And we might talk about that on a class coming up, huh? We will, but we're not going to be doing nearly as many of those in the class that's on this Saturday, Correct. though. Well, well, we'll, 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 still, we'll mention it we'll, because we'll we teach two there. different kinds of yes, home buyer classes. Ab- absolutely. Uh, so, uh, you know, general outlook on interest rates is good this good so far this week. So good, good time to lock rates in. Yes, I agree. There's a lot of good Before stuff going on. Before anything else changes. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, you know, and we will be talking about this in more depth on Saturday, right? Because Saturday we've got several people already signed up for that class. That's going to be held at the Remax Metro office. So from 10 to noon on Saturday, if you're going to try and come to the class, you need to RSVP because that is not a huge conference room. And we've got several people signed up already. And there's a lot of kind of the on Facebook event invites were like, I'm interested. It's like, well, are you interested or are you committed? So let's get you RSVP'd on that. And you can RSVP to info at teamreba.com. And then we'll be able to get you all signed up and and everything else. Because we have multiple ways that people can sign up. Because not only is there a Facebook event invite, but we're accepting emails. And there's also a meetup that's on. So there's a lot of different ways that people are kind of coming in. So you can't just look at one thing and think that's, oh yeah, there's plenty of space. Like you, you need to make sure you check in with that's us. Right. So uh, Saturday, 10 to noon, we're going to be talking a lot about credit, finance, uh, kind of what the overall landscape is of the market right now and touching on kind of the process. But the big meat of this class is really about credit and finance. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's so much to know, so much to learn, and so many different ways to take advantage of the uh, the rules and the guidelines and the policies and everything to best suit your financial picture. Yes. So we'll be getting into some good, good detail, lots of information that you'll be able to take away and hopefully help you be a better educated yes. home buyer. Yes. That's We're big fans goal. of being educated, financially savvy consumers. There you go. Yeah. You know, I was actually just having a a conversation. So, you know, I'm part of REN, the Women's Real Estate Network, and I was just talking with the gal who's kind of the person who started all of that down in the LA area. And we were just discussing, you know, like one of our goals with REN is having women be financially savvy, you know, and getting, you know, good fiscal information for, you know, their own personal investment strategies. So that's across the board, which that also segues right into the fact that on April 29th, we're doing our rental property investor class. Yes. Yes. Where we will also be talking about types of financing. This is going to be more the traditional stuff. We're not going to be bringing in the how to get the off market type things in place. But for people who qualify for traditional types of financing, we're going to talk about that. Um, We're going to do things such as SWOT analysis of what it's like to be a landlord and whether or not you want to do it for yourself or you want to hire property management, which I'm personally a big fan of. Uh, (laughs) So not not because I do property management. In fact, I try and avoid it at all costs personally. But, you know, having that person who's licensed in between you and a tenant can really save your bacon because they have to stay up on all the rules and the laws. Absolutely. Right? You know, in fact, one of the reasons we have Sean here with us today from Rental Housing Association in Washington is because that's an organization that helps private landlords get up to speed on things. But even then, I think the RHA, if I'm not mistaken, tends to kind of you know coach people towards like you might want to think about professional property management just to reduce liability. <laughs> what city is the property located in is always my first question because that's <laughs> mm-hmm. that's becoming the bigger issue, I think, for people self-managing. Yes. Uh, well, the thing now, though, is, I mean, we, we're going to be talking a lot about Seattle uh, today. Mm-hmm. But, folks, if you own rental property outside yep. of the city of Seattle, you should pay close attention to this as well because as yes, Seattle should. goes, so goes the rest of the region. Yes, and we have seen that on a number of different Uh, rules and things that have been instituted. And and I will say they weren't necessarily the first ones to do the rental inspections, but that has been taking hold 
uh, very strongly. So several cities in the region are now doing uh, required rental inspections. Um, And I happen to, you know, just full disclosure, my husband happens to be certified in several of the different cities. He's doing them in Seattle because he's certified here. He's doing them in Tequila and Renton just got done putting one in. And I know some of the other counties have them as well. Uh, Not the counties themselves, but cities within like Snohomish and Pierce County. So this kind of stuff does spread like wildfire typically. So you know, definitely this is a show people should be listening to regardless of where their rental property is in Puget Sound. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, all right, Sean, I want to get into the meat of this. I mean, I I don't even want to talk about so much what's going on in the real estate world because I think this is really our real estate topic for today. We're we're, we're real estate too, so. Yeah, you're totally real estate. like the redheaded stepchild of real estate. Nobody wants to say they're a landlord publicly, right? Well, that's, that's the impre- it depends on the audience. Well, it depends on your audience who you're willing to say that around, right? Because in, yeah. cer- in certain circles, people are like, boo, hiss, you're horrible people. And other people, it's like, hey, no, I want to, you know, because here's, here's the thing. Why I was talking to that gal, Deborah Razzo, before coming on the show today is, you know, that is all about having rental property or finding ways to invest in property. And so there is an awful lot of people right now. Unfortunately, they didn't do this five years ago when it made more sense financially, really. Right, right. I mean, look what's happened to prices in the last five years. It's harder to be a landlord here now, at least if you're just now getting into it. But, you know, she and I were talking about it and what are the challenges of trying to create a real estate networking group up here. Uh, because those people do want to talk about it. They do want to say, hey, yeah, I'm a landlord, and here's the things that are working for me. Um, so, yes, to your point, it depends <laughs> on the audience. If I'm sitting in a room full of a bunch of people renting, I might be seen as, like, the evil person in the group, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, is is the, is it the good versus evil in this lawsuit? Is that, you know? Well, I mean, from my <laughs> perspective, yeah. It's uh, the, okay. good, the good fighting the um, out-of-control government. It's, yeah. I mean, at this point, we're taking personal freedoms away from people. Right. Property. So, so why don't you get us started? Like, for, for listeners who are not as familiar with what this is, can you give us a little bit of background about what's going on and why is RHA filing this suit against the city? Sure. So it's the, uh, the, the issue is the first-in-time ordinance, which mm-hmm. is... First come, first serve. The first person that qualifies to your criteria specifically right. is the first the, the uh, person you have to offer your agreement, your uh, property to. Mm-hmm. And from our perspective, you know, the city kind of twisted what best practice was in the industry, which is it is first come, first serve. That is best practice mm-hmm. uh, with the kind of distinction in there. Of you get to know the person a little bit, feel them out. You can still meet with them. And get an impression of what kind of person they are too, and that is what has been uh, eliminated by the city, uh, and what's being called an unconstitutional taking in the lawsuit because there's no compensation from the city. Right. Uh, so, as a landlord, you know, one of the plaintiffs in this, uh, who's a member of RHA, they uh, happen to own a triplex, and they live in one of the units, and there's a common backyard, and they have kids. Oh. You want to make sure who's coming in the backyard, hanging out around the kids is someone that's going to be, you know, there's the character involved as well, not just what the financial and the criminal records are and things like that. And so Mm -hmm. that's really kind of where the, you know, the rubber meets the road and where this policy is going to be a total abject failure, Um, not to mention who can be first to even get the application in, because I think it's a little easier for the guy who's, you know, got the uh, kind of flexible job, easy access to internet and a quick car versus uh, a poor working mother. So, yeah, you know, okay, I was going to say one other thing I just want to throw out there. You bringing up the triplex issue, um, 
ADUs, accessory dwelling units, have become something that the city is trying to promote. So to your point, you know, I think this really is an important conversation to be having because a lot of people who are buying property right now are looking for that extra unit to help take care of the mortgage because the cost of housing is so high here. And so, yeah, you should absolutely have an opportunity to decide who's going to be sharing that building with you. So, um, and you know, I have a property like that myself and I would certainly want to make sure that I feel very comfortable with whoever is there because they are sharing the same, you know, access points in the backyard and their dogs with my dog. And I need to make sure that everything is hunky dory, so to speak. (laughs) It's, it's a complicated, um, situation though, too. Mm -hmm. And when we come back, we have to, you know, take a quick break here, but how do you weigh the landlord's rights uh, against the potential for discrimination. Right. And that's a that's a conundrum that we're going to try and address when we come back. Call us if you got questions. 800. No. Excuse me. 866-712-1300. More at Open House and Dean Reba. If you'd like to call into the show, now's your chance. It's 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Ostinus from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. And I'm Reba Hass from Team Reba. And today we have Sean Martin with us from the Rental Housing Association. Thanks again for joining us today, Sean. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, you're covering a a topic and the the RHA, Rental Housing Association, is jumping in to help landlords in in a, 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 a pretty difficult situation. There seems to, feels like there's a war against landlords. And Listeners, I mean, a lot of the landlords that we have in Seattle, we're not really talking about these big conglomerates. We're talking about mm-hmm. mom and pop uh, folks that maybe own one rental property or a couple mm-hmm. rental properties, and that's their retirement plan. You know, so so when when the city goes to battle against you know folks like this, um, I understand the spirit of of you know some of the initiatives. This first come rule, uh, I'm sure the spirit is to prevent discrimination, right? But yeah, but there's but, <laughs> I like how you but, hesitate. Right, right, right. <laughs> yes, but there's unintended consequences yeah. to that, and yeah. so and and ultimately the unintended consequence is that if a landlord just gets too fed up uh, with the restrictions, the regulations, the the just the the hostile environment that's being created against them, they're going to give up. They're going to say, "Forget it. I'm selling this property." And I'm going to go, you know, buy a rental property somewhere else, or I'm just, I'm just out mm-hmm. of it. Okay, so let's say a rental property gets sold, a new landlord buys that property. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to rents? Uh, well, one, I would say you're making a, a great leap of faith to say another landlord's going to buy that because we're finding that yeah. it's going to be someone owner occupied, particularly yeah. okay. family. Even so worse right. then. It's well, okay. because there's so no the, potential for cash flow based correct. on the housing prices right yeah. now. Yeah. It's okay. too expensive. So now your pool of available rental housing f- goes even even smaller. Yep. And and existing rents go even higher. It's just simple su- simple economics. It's supply and demand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, Supply and demand is tough to grasp down at City Hall right now so, for some reason. So the unintended consequence of this hostile action against against landlords is really to kick rents higher. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe that's an unintended consequence of one that I, I – honestly, I think that one council member, Shama Sawant, doesn't mind seeing that as an unintended consequence because that – in her, right. you know, camp mm-hmm. makes rent control sound like right. even the, more logical. The ultimate the uh, yeah. social nirvana yeah. Yeah. of of uh, you know yeah. state run housing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I get that. But yeah, I mean, unintended consequences. Yeah, there are a ton of them. I I think you know as a starting point, I, just the place that this you mentioned the hostile environment. I think mm-hmm. that the place that this ordinance comes from in the first place. 
uh, is assuming every landlord is guilty of being a discriminatory bigot. Mm -hmm. And that's really how this is written. You can't create a decision, uh, think of a decision on a tenant in your own mind with your own judgment without being a racist, xenophobe, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. And so we're going to take that away from you. And that's really where this has come out of. Uh, which, and that, which is that's hard for me to swallow, too, considering um, as someone in the real estate industry who has to follow fair housing guidelines, if you compare, like the, we do classes all the time and there's ethics requirements for people who are realtors and whatnot. And they we talk about fair housing regularly. And Seattle actually has the most strict rules around fair housing in the entire nation. If you look at a comparison of federal to states to local cities, we actually have one of the strictest of any other place in the United States. Yep. And so it, it is tough. I mean, is there the potential of someone doing something discriminatory? Yes. Can someone be stupid? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much all the time. I mean, I've actually had phone calls from people where someone calls me up and they're upset because they said, hey, I'm talking to this landlord and they told me they're not going to rent to me because I have kids. And I'm like, okay, that's a fair housing violation. That's just called stupid right there. And that's someone who didn't know better and clearly is doing it themselves and not working with property management because they don't know any better. And shame on them as, you know, that landlord. But that is a rarity in most cases. Yeah, and, you know, some of the data that the city throws out there is they do these fair housing tests, the Mm -hmm. Office for Civil Rights, almost annually. Mm -hmm. And they rely on these to show that, you know, there's a 64% of landlords make discriminatory decisions based on um, uh, race or family, Mm -hmm. familial status, things like that. Uh, But if you really get into that data, it's it's 64% of the sample pool that they've selected um, may have committed some kind of violation, but the question is really if the, if all of them did, why are we only charging 13 out of 124 test cases? With that, mm. So I, yeah, I just think that the, some of the background, yes, there are absolutely issues, but there are a ton of laws on the books. Well, you're not uh, assuming that there might be some manipulation of statistics <laughs> here? Yeah, I mean, you can make statistics say anything. Well, the right? odds of that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, let's take this thing to its to its, its ultimate true. conclusion, too. If we've got, <laughs> I'm just teasing you know, Sharma, Shama, Shamalanga, well, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> if, if we take that, uh, let's take this to the next thing. What about employers? Let's say I'm an employer, I'm a small business, and I'm going mm-hmm. to hire someone. I have a new job position open. Why not impose the same rule on an employer? You must hire the first person who applies, right. who qualifies for that position. First person with a college degree in the door, you got to hire them. Right. Sight unseen, mm-hmm. doesn't matter yeah. about anything. Yeah, that, I mean, that's really the logical conclusion if you play this thing out to other uh, right. aspects of life. Right. doesn't make sense. Well, it would, it would uh, again, lead towards that socialist nirvana that certain people on the city council seem to be striving towards. I kind of hope they hear this show and maybe call in. And if yeah, it, in case you would not like super to. super likely. Yeah. Well, but, you know, well, you never is, know. This is business I, radio. I'm pinging them really hard on Twitter right now. So if someone's paying attention in their offices, they yeah. might want to. I've never gotten a response on Twitter from doing my direct tweets to council. But really? Maybe, yeah, maybe it's just not inflammatory enough. I don't know. Try to be playful well, and, and just, you know. Throw. I'm really upset about it. Try to be playful? And, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm going for yeah. the throat. <laughs> and, and I mean, even particularly this this particular council person who sends out emails on on City of Seattle letterhead from a City of Seattle email account um, actually uh, promoting uh, protests and, and anti-government activities, which is a direct violation of, of the Constitution. You can't use public resources right. for a private right. event. Right. You can't. 
And and so, but but you know, I, I, where do we go with that? You know, the city attorney don't think so. State attorney general don't think so. You know, there's nobody that could really have oversight over that that I'm aware of. But if there is somebody out there listening, I'd sure sure be interested in some feedback on that. If if uh, you know if there okay. is a way, because I'm very very curious about. Are we this. potentially getting off the topic? <laughs> yes, of what we're we here are. For? Well, it, it, it all sort of. <laughs> it sounds kinda, like we're maybe going I, a certain let's, direction let's say after this, one. This person. all focuses around a certain city council that's running amok. And it's not mm-hmm. just on, in this area of this war against landlords. It's a war against, you know, other groups as well. But back to you, Sean. So, so t- <laughs> focus, tell, focus. Tell us about this. Okay, so the lawsuit, uh, the, what's the intended goal of the lawsuit? Yes. Uh, well, uh, to overturn the law. I mean, that's, that's really bottom line. We're hoping to get a stay uh, so this isn't enforced in the meantime because it's probably going to be a year and a half to two-year process. I mean, it, regardless if you prevail, the other party is going to appeal. And mm-hmm. I think that's just the reality. I think this is an issue that's so hot button the market mm-hmm. that we're in that it's going to go to the state supreme court and uh you know we'll see what happens at that point but uh we want to get this thrown out i think it's a pretty direct clear government taking without compensation mm-hmm. to the landlord and you're taking away uh you know freedom to make a choice about prop- private property it's not um you know public mm-hmm. publicly owned space it's a private property decision do you happen to know has the association of realtors weighed in on any of this as well they have not, no. Okay. Uh, I'm sure at some point there will be, you know, requests for uh, amicus briefs on behalf, uh, petitions to the court, things like that. But okay. uh, it has not gotten that far yet from what I'm aware of. Okay. I'm we just did- curious. As a, as a member of that and because a lot of times as a political organization, you know, and some of the things that we do advocating, you know, we're always looking to, to assist in property rights. Of yeah, owners. absolutely. So I'm just kind of curious whether or not they'll weigh in at some stage. I, I'm ho- hopefully. I mean, I would expect that uh, Pacific Legal Foundation, who's taken the lead on this, they, mm-hmm. they've filed. We're supporting them and providing resources that we can to their organization. Um, I would expect that they're going to reach out to folks. Uh, I would strongly encourage people listening to go to Pacific Legal's website mm-hmm. um, and make a contribution. They're, like Two-thirds of their funding is entirely from individual contributions. And so if this okay. is important... You know, we need to start funding them. We need to start funding Selfish Plug, RHA's Legal Defense Fund as well, because this is not the only issue that is deserving of a lawsuit at this point. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, we might get to more of those here in a minute. So the website, though, for someone to do that is pacificlegal.org. Is that correct? Yep. Okay, and then the website for RHA is? RHAWA.org. Okay, Fantastic. So I'll keep uh, throwing that out in some of our social media, and we'll have that when we do the recast of the show on Friday as well when we post it on the blog. So people will have resources to go to. So thank you for that. Okay, so um, the filing of the suit, uh, we're expecting this to last a really long time. In the meantime, what can landlords do for themselves? Well, I mean, at this point, what what the first – if you have to take the first person in the door, this is a way to think mm-hmm. about it from my perspective. And I'm, you know, it's disclosure, I'm not a landlord, even though people mm-hmm. think I'm like an attorney landlord. Okay. <laughs> I've just been dealing with this stuff for too long. Um, you're going to need to lean on your minimum mm-hmm. screening criteria at this point. Okay. Because of the first person in the door that qualifies, the first person you have to rent to, mm-hmm. from my perspective, you want to make sure that they're very well qualified. So, you know, we were talking about unintended consequences of right. uh, of the, the ordinance. One of them is... We've made it harder for people to qualify for rental properties in Seattle, and we're seeing this absolutely 100% with our members when they come to our new classes where we're teaching uh, folks about the law and how they can comply is, if you don't want to have any risk involved, make sure your credit score requirement's higher. Make sure you require a higher income. Make sure you tighten up your screening Mm -hmm. standards for other issues that previously they might have negotiated on, and now it's just non-negotiable. 
what kinds of things would people have normally negotiated on? Do you uh, know, you know if there was a bankruptcy, but maybe it was two or three years old, and they've shown okay. good payment since then, or maybe uh, you know if there's mm-hmm. collections, but they're medical, and and maybe you know everything else checked out okay. There were mm-hmm. there were ways that a lot, especially the smaller landlords uh, that are flexible. They're not the the guys that have the big corporate policies in place, right? Where they would kind of you know manipulate things around, change things up. Well, this law actually requires if if you were to change your criteria. Uh, and let's say it's the third person down on the list because the first two haven't qualified and you want to get someone moved in. If you change your criteria for that third person, you can't actually do that for them. You have to go all the way back to the first person and wow. start all over again. So it you just know, really complicates the process to where a point of landlord, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to bother with that. And, and frankly, now- that that almost hamstrings even more the ability for affordable housing for some folks or the ability yeah. to get housing because it, I'll put it this way. Think about when we had the recession there are so many people whose credit scores got annihilated because of job losses. There were people who went one to two years without being employed. And during that period of time went through bankruptcies, all types of things. I mean, I dealt with a lot of people going through that and it wasn't that long ago and there's still people coming out of that. So, you know, cause I know whenever I'm talking with someone who has been in that situation and they're trying to get a place to stay, or maybe they're losing their home and they need to go get a rental I'm always telling them, be very upfront and communicative to a potential landlord, because at least if you can explain your situation and you're back on a track of being, you know, fiscally responsible because you're working again, you need to have that open conversation. But this is almost going to potentially wipe out that option for the landlord to do that. Yeah, it does. Wow. Wow. More when we come back. I, I want to know more about this this lawsuit. And there's some other things going out there as well, some initiatives. Mm-hmm. Maybe we bring up that as well. Stay tuned more with Sean Martin from the Rental Housing Association on KKOL Business Radio, Open House with Team Reba. Got a question? Call it in. 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass of Team Reba, Remax Metro East Side, And I'm Eric Ostinus from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. And frankly, I'm also a little mortified. We just yeah. had a very interesting discussion in the break that I'm just like <clears throat> practically choking over here. Yeah. Do you, do you want to bring that up? Sure. What we um, just talked about? Yeah. Well, you know, Sean Martin's here with the Rental Housing Association talking about the lawsuit against mm-hmm. the city yeah. uh, regarding, you know, their first in you know, first in time, yeah, yeah. First in time uh, policy. But now also there's an initiative that's floating around. It's called Initiative 127, uh, which was just approved to start collecting signatures last Friday on uh, March 31st. I'm surprised it wasn't Saturday, April 1st. Um, but this is going to require landlords to provide a cost breakdown along with rent, including mortgage, insurance, property taxes, fees, and maintenance to basically document where your rent payment is, uh, how it's being applied. and um, That's insane. So That so is th- absolutely insane. So um, uh, it's a guy named Devin Silvernail who filed the initiative. He's also the executive director of B Seattle, which runs a tenant rights boot camp, basically coaching tenants on, on how to you know, take advantage of, of these these rules and policies. and uh, Take and advantage would be correct. According to Devin, um, that they've had almost universal positive response from this initiative. Uh, of course, from landlords, or from tenants, of course, oh. you know, they're happy with it. But he says that landlords are going to be really happy about this as well. Why? I'm really 
I, I'm sitting I, here I, listening, and I'm aghast. I'm sort of wondering what landlord at, he actually spoke with who would be, you know, thinking that this is a, a super cool thing. Uh, it might be ironically funny for the landlord to be able to list on there fifty dollars a month for your administrative costs for implementing I one twenty seven. Yeah, <laughs> that, that yeah. would be the only pleasure yeah. a landlord could derive from that. I would think. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine anything that would make a landlord happy about what's. Uh, well, and, and again, you know, where is this data going? This mm-hmm. data is going going to the city of Seattle uh, so that they can track, you know, uh, landlords yep. and, and track their costs and track their rent. And so I, I would imagine the conclusion to that would be if you're a landlord and you want to increase your rents, uh, that you'll be at some point probably forced to justify, you know, somehow that increase. Not the market, but a justification, you know, which... Uh, how could we possibly expect uh, a landlord to mm-hmm. uh, earn any profit at all? Uh, on right. Well, that's the whole reason property. why most people want to invest in real estate is it's another form of passive income stream, or at least you hope. It's retirement. As, it's uh, retirement. Exactly. It's no different than buying stocks or bonds or CDs or anything else. It's just a different form of having a balanced portfolio. Yeah. So the fact that they want to demonize somebody trying to build for their future is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you know what we were talking about on the break, I know for myself as a landlord, I have had my rents held artificially low for periods of time. Sometimes because I have a section 8 tenant where I'm not allowed to raise the rent, but yet every year my insurance and my taxes go up on it. Every year maybe the cost of having the yard mode is done on it or maybe the damage Correct. from the tenants. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, there's always something. I mean, I can tell you right now, some of my properties, I've had to re-roof one of them twice because of different damage from storms. I've had, you know, water infiltrations. You have to take care of all of that. It's like, really? You want, okay. You know, like, that's, that's really none of their business. Well, they certainly want it to become their business, don't they? Why in the world are they trying to do that? I mean, Sean, do you, what's what's happening? I, well, I mean, one, if you look at the background on this guy, he's, he's a housing you know activist from San Francisco. So let's import all of their terrible ideas there yeah. because their rent is super affordable with rent control and all the mm-hmm. laws they have, right? Yeah, exactly. So, that's you know that's one part of so it. So he failed miserably there, yeah. and he decided to go to another city. Yeah, it's and do all the it same seems thing. to be the same. You know, I don't you know not to speak negatively of Californians, but. Uh, there seems to be this idea that we can import these great, and we'll get it right this time. We didn't, <laughs> there was this just yeah. one little thing that was not right about it over there and we'll do it right here. We don't like it where we live. So let's just bring it up to the new community and try and implement it there. Well, no, there's more Reba. So if this law passes, landlords will be given 120 days to provide this information to existing renters. Now, if any one of those renters want to make sure the breakdown is accurate, they can request proof and the landlord would have 90 days to provide it. So you have a situation where your, wow. your tenant um, can demand that you document your expenses uh, to them. Providing well, I'd proof. like to get all my tenants' expenses and see where they're spending their money because yeah. when they're not paying their rent, I'd love to know. Oh, gosh, because I have had, oh, you broke your glasses and you had to buy new glasses and you can't pay your rent this month. Mm-hmm. Oh, you decided to go back to school and you needed to buy books and you stopped paying your rent this month. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's see. Something else happened in your life, and now suddenly I'm the person. You have a legal contract with me. Pay your rent. It's a business dealing. End of story. 
You don't go walk into the Gap and go, uh, I'd like to see all the expenses behind the design of that shirt, and then I'm only going to pay the part that I think is reasonable. Yeah, yeah. That's stupid. The car, you know, before I buy this car, I want to see your tax returns because I just sort of want to see what kind of income you're making off of the sale of these yeah, cars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If it's too That's, much, this I'm, is I'm not going to pay you. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Oh, uh, did you come like, here to raise my blood pressure? Yeah, I, that <laughs> seems to be that, that goes. That's the theme of uh, everywhere I appear at. I think it's like a dark cloud that just floats around. Um, I, I think that a, a big part of this, I mean, landlords one or the they east, thought it was just Seattle winter, yeah, but it's yeah. you. No, it's me. Yeah, I, yeah, that's why the winters sucked so bad. Is because I've been I haven't gone anywhere. Um, I think that landlords are the easy scapegoat to point at because mm-hmm. people just have this preconceived notion when, in fact. If you talk to probably your extended family, there's people renting property that you wouldn't, you know, you haven't even heard about or whatever. But yeah. um, I, there's an element of just wanting to shame landlords, I think, at this point um, to, to, you know, almost guilt landlords into, you know, do I should I increase their rent or not? You know, the, the market's gone up and I haven't increased rent for three years. But, you know, this ordinance makes me feel guilty about doing it. I, I think there's also the very clear uh, that. This is just another step in creating boundaries around the issue of rent control. We can't mm-hmm. get to the heart of that and just say rent control, but we're going to do everything in our power to monitor rents, to try to justify getting that policy enacted in the long run. And this is just another reach for that. Are, are, are they somehow thinking that they're reaching out to the REITs that are out there, like all these large investor groups? Because, I mean, those are the people who are going to be like, eh, whatever. Yeah, no, I well, I I don't think that people realize that there are differences in the uh, in the rental industry. That you know, mm-hmm. our members by and large own ten units or less, and it's not even it's not yeah. a primary source of income at all. It is a long term asset, like you right. talk about. Most of them are only making maybe five thousand dollars a year. Yeah, if that on their property put away for maintenance. Yeah, and, and then they're getting the tax write offs, yep. and that's you know that's their personal business. That yeah. is totally their personal business. But I think we are seeing that all of them are being lumped together, and we're just we're just assuming that everyone is kind of a corporate Chicago, New York mm-hmm. uh, owner. That this is a you know huge money making portfolio kind of thing. And right, and we Those are big seeing buildings downtown big, would be that. Yeah, the South Lake Union mm-hmm. stuff would definitely be that. But you know, um, I have to say, I mean, I, I I work in mortgage lending, and and I look you at, do I yeah, believe it or not, <laughs> I look at at probably. 30 tax returns a month. I'm mm-hmm. constantly looking at tax returns. Mm-hmm. I deal with a lot of investors that, that own, you know, the maximum, the average probably of the of the customers that I have, they might own one, two, or three rental properties. It's very, very rare if I see, uh, you know, one that owns more than more than two or three. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that looking at the, at the tax returns and also looking at the account statements and everything else, yeah, these, these properties are barely cash flowing. Almost mm-hmm. all of them are like that. Yeah, you know, I see very, very few where they're making like big money, and those are ones where right. they paid their mortgage off or they paid. Yeah, it they've down. been paying they've on it for fifteen for... to thirty years. Yes, exactly. But and somebody... that was their sweat, blood, yes. and tears over all those years, and money that they could have put somewhere else. Absolutely, too. absolutely. That, uh, so, man, yeah. So this this whole idea that you know we've got these fat cat stogie stogie mm-hmm. chomping <laughs> landlords out there, you know, I I, I just don't see it. Yeah, it, well, especially because we have anti-smoking ordinances too. Well, I said right. pumping, not smoking, <laughs> but yeah, there you go, vaping, whatever you want to call whatever. it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the market is is already reacting to the stuff. Um, we're seeing it reflected in our membership. The feedback that we're getting is, mm-hmm. 
I'm 1031ing out of the city or I'm selling my rental property in the totally city. That is totally what's happening. Because we have, you know, with, look at the demo, just the demographics of mm-hmm. the area and of our country. There's a large baby boomer population. Oh, yeah. Those folks, when they sell those units off, which they're being pushed to do by the city yes. at this point because the values are so high anyway, mm-hmm. those aren't going to be rentals in the future. And there's going to be... No. You're, you're going to have a city of luxury apartments and yep. subsidized government-run housing, and there's not going to be anything in the middle at the rate no. things are going. So to your point, um, a lot of recent business in my team that we've had has been exactly that. People who have gotten fed up, and I mean, we're talking people who've had properties 20, 30 years, and they're just like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And they're either 1031-ing, uh, sometimes not even in the state, at this point, they're just saying, I'm finished with this stuff because the state's making some changes too about your rights to choose certain renters too. So some folks are just saying, you know what, the, the numbers are better elsewhere. I can get better cash flow somewhere else. Um, you know, like one of the women that I know through the rent organization, she has 47 units. N- only one of those buildings is in Washington State down in Aberdeen. It's not even in this area because you can't cash flow it. And so we had, uh, just last week, we had two closings. That was of a gentleman who owned a property in central Seattle. And he had owned it for 20-some years. And he just sold it and bought two properties up north in Snohomish County. Yeah. So, and, and we've got more of those and, coming. And, and why Snohomish? Because... He doesn't have to deal with this. And that property that he sold is either going to get demolished or the rents are going to go up. Yeah, the person who bought it is an investor who's going to flip it. They're going to do a bunch of fix-ups to it, and they're going to flip it, and it's not going to – yeah. So one one more property out of the rental pool. Yeah. Precisely. Wow. Wow. So, okay. um, We started going off – there's some other things, though, that – that you guys are kind of going against right now. That's also still City of Seattle focused. Yeah, isn't it? well, yeah. I mean, it's it, yeah, everything is focused. Yeah, there's the the move-in fees legislation that was done, mm-hmm. where we're now capping how much of a deposit you can charge and and forcing landlords to be zero percent lenders for six months on those monies. Um, there's a criminal records uh, ordinance mm-hmm. that's being looked at that probably in the next few months, given the track record of City Council, they'll probably mm-hmm. vote to approve it, which is going to tell you you very narrowly can use criminal records in the future right. to decline someone. Um, so it, it, these are not the only issues. Uh, there are some others that are coming up, and uh, we certainly have our legal lens on them because we think that there okay. are some problems. Okay. Take a breath, Reba. I know. You know, and, and, I am. <laughs> and anybody that's following this conversation today, you know, reach out to Lisa, Bruce, Rob, Deborah, Mike, Sally, and, of course, Kisharma and uh, and reach out to the council members and give you know, express your opinions about about some of these rules that are absolutely directly Im- impacting you as a landlord and and also ultimately you as a, as a tenant as the rent rates go up. So we've got more uh, with Sean Martin, the Rental Housing Association. Call us if you got feedback or questions. 866-712-1300. Open House has open phone lines. Give us a call at 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Costas from Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. And I'm Reba Hassa, Team Reba. We're catching our breath here over this very short break. I know. I needed to dance on that little intro because I need to relax. I'm getting all fired up over our spicy topic of today, talking about the whole 
lawsuit against the city of Seattle because of the just in time or first in excuse me first in time rental ordinance yeah. that's been going on. But um, so we have Sean Martin from the Rental Housing Association in Washington here with us. So for any listeners who are just now coming in, want to make sure you understand who we're talking to. Um, so we've been discussing the lawsuit itself, other issues that are happening, encouraging people to get a hold of the Seattle City Council. But during the break, we were just asking you, Sean, what are other things that people can be doing? It's not just so I, you know, well, one, they can vote for a different city council. Let's just be clear about that. So you have you have a couple opportunities this year. And in mm-hmm. 2019, you have all of the district seats up. Um, that's yeah. that's the only way. Long term, that's mm-hmm. the solution. I mean, we can file lawsuits and, and smack them upside the head and, and hope, right. correct bad behavior, you know, if you want to call it that. But the long run, we need to get a council in there that's reasonable and understands both sides of the issue. Uh, But I I, I would encourage people, you know, if you're you're impacted by these ordinances, especially if you're a tenant, because they seem to think they're helping you out and representing your interests when there are Mm -hmm. clear indications they are not. But as an owner, I mean, if you're being pushed out of the city, uh, if you've chosen to sell and just, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah. Because that's, the small landlords are the affordable stock that's left. Exactly. Unless we want to pay for billion dollar housing levies every five years, there's not going to be any affordable housing left in the city at the rate we're going. Yeah. you just prompted uh, a reminder for me real quickly, though. Um, wasn't there something being put forward at one stage that landlords were going to have to give a notice to the city if they were thinking of selling? Yeah, you have to do that. You have to? Yeah. You do? If that you actually own, passed? Yeah, if you, if you own a five-unit or larger uh, property, rental property, and one of the units is deemed to be renting at an affordable rate, you have to tell the city 60 days before you can list. This is known as the rent increase ordinance because I just increased the rent, so it's no longer at this affordable 80% or less of median uh, income rate, and now I don't have to notify the city. So, you know, unintended consequences. Okay. Interesting. But it's only for five and larger, so considered commercial. Yeah. Yeah. But still, I mean, there's a lot of kind of small multiplexes around, and that's still going to take away from... Yeah, there's actually physically okay. steam coming out of your headphones. Okay. <laughs> there probably is. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I went on the Seattle Channel a, a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and did a, a taped an episode with uh, Councilmember Burgess and uh, mm-hmm. Zach DeWolf from Capitol Hill uh, and talking about the Renters Commission. Right. And the point I made is, you know, we've literally now in less than two years passed eight renter initiatives. Um, and there's no end in sight. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. that's the political environment we're in. Wow. And nothing has gotten better. No, not gotten better. Nothing's gotten better. No. Rents haven't gone down. No, they have not gone down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Strange that. Yeah, Although, no. you know, here's the thing, though. Because we do have a lot of the, the larger buildings that have been getting built in downtown, I mean, I am hearing from property management companies that some of the rents are softening a little bit. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely a lot more people providing incentives where there's uh, both the larger buildings as well as some of the smaller uh, property management organizations are, you know, on behalf of their landlords um, offering incentives where maybe there's one or two free months rent or there might be some other benefit that they're providing. And that typically happens when we start to have higher vacancy rates. So, you know, if if we're going to have any adjustment on what really happens with rent, it's not going to be coming from these things that they're doing at the city level. Honestly, it's back to Eric's comment about it's supply and demand. It's the, the nature of economics. Because we have so many buildings coming online, 
that will probably soften some of the rents naturally, but it's not because of any of the stuff that's getting forced on anyone. Right. I yeah, mean, that's, the 10,000 10, well, units that are built that are going to be coming online this mm-hmm. year will do that, but the, the legislation, that stuff doesn't Yeah, do none of that is effective. No. All that these these types of policies do is they encourage what would normally be a law-abiding citizen to figure out ways to get around the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I can imagine I've talked with, with quite a few landlords about this issue, and they're like, well, okay, so the first person I have to I have to accept, so everybody that comes in and applies is the second person. You know, we're, we're forcing them to become an outlaw. And, yeah, uh, or taking the applications only by mail so you can pick which one you open mm-hmm, first. Exactly. Because the ordinance can't touch that. Well, there you go. Good yeah. gosh, how would you even know? How would well, the city know? That's, well, that's, I mean, if it comes in your mail, how would you even know who came first? Well, you wouldn't. So you just remember who you met and liked the most at your open house. Ah, that this violates is, these, the these, spirit of, of these, no, these situations. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting thing too. Like, because the, right. there are lots of landlords who do an open house, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I'm a real estate agent, and we do open houses for home sales all the time. Nobody gives you the right information when, yeah. <laughs> when you ask them to sign in. Yeah, like, yeah. how are you even going to know? Like, yeah, you know, if the person's just there checking it out and they don't want to give you their private information yet, you know, it's like I don't right. know. They might, they might give it to you. Who knows? Yeah, but that, I mean that—that's the well, position. my that point exactly. Put. You know, we're we're putting uh, landlords in a very precarious situation because we're forcing them to, yeah. you know, the, these are why black markets path. exist in rent-controlled exactly. cities, and there are ten thousand yes. dollar broker fees to find find apartments and things like that. Is because of these kind of regulations. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not as familiar with those. Black yeah, market Wall Street situations. Journal just from two, two days ago, there are ten thousand dollar broker fees to find. Uh, apartments and things like that. Really? The market is that bad at this point because there's so many restrictions and regulations on landlords and there's rent control and all these other things. That's oh, wow. the that's the direction we're headed. If you're looking for a lucrative career five years from now, become a uh, rental listing broker, I think. Wow. Yeah. Although, we, you know, okay, but that's interesting because that's, that's where? In New York? That's New York. Uh, yeah. It's not, I mean... Because let me tell you what, from a real estate perspective here... Uh, Real estate agents, unless somebody happens to list that property on the – you know what? Maybe that's the thing. Maybe that starts changing, and that's going to increase the cost for landlords also is if they all end up having to get an agent to do that for them. Because here's here's the parallel. When I have a property that I'm selling, the first-in-time ordinance is not dissimilar from the fact that when I receive offers on a property, I have to present them in the order in which they are received. But the owner gets to pick right. if there's pick, multiples. They can pick someone who's they, a young married couple who they want to help out and take, and they'll take 5000 less on their offer. Well, like I mean, okay, monetarily, but you just said a young married couple. Like, that's fair housing. Well, yeah. Yeah, okay. You know, you got to be careful People about that. People write those letters all the time. You know? Right. But yeah. see, we even have to get into those issues. I mean, they're really starting to bring in a lot of the same issues that we have on the selling side of things and applying it to landlords. And by the way, they don't get nearly as much money out of them. Well, let me give you an analogy. I, I rented out a place and I had uh, applicant number one. Now, this is a few years back before we had these rules, but applicant number one was rude, combative, mm-hmm. argumentative. I was and, not. No, it wasn't <laughs> just you. Kidding. Just but, kidding. <laughs> but just right out of the gate, there's this vibe, you know, as this person's mm-hmm. going through the house saying that doesn't meet code or that yeah. doesn't, yeah. That doesn't yeah. work or, you know, uh, fighting about things before, yeah. you know, right out of the gate. 
And then, and then um, applicant number two came through the home, and they were um, nice. They were friendly. They were cheerful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and you could tell that they were going to be, you know, good cooperative tenants. So why in my right mind would I want to rent to tenant number one? We know this person's going to be trouble. And I don't care mm-hmm. what, what color, race, gender, origin, Anything that's a protected clause, I I could care less about any of that. Mm -hmm. All I want is somebody who's going to pay the rent on time and who's going to be a a good cooperative tenant. And and in exchange for that, I'm going to be a good and cooperative landlord. Right. Because it's a business arrangement. So how does that make me a bad person? You'd have to ask uh, Councilmember Lisa Herbold and Councilmember Shama Sawant and, you know, at all Mm. uh, that question because I – to me, that seems practical and logical. Uh, do they ever go and meet with groups of landlords, or do they only meet with a constituency that backs? Oh, we'll be down there meeting with Councilmember Herbold next week. So if she's listening, look forward to our meeting, Councilmember Herbold. But are, are it, you trying it, to get some of the people from RHA, the landlords, to go to these meetings, or can they attend these? At yeah, all? Or, or just request. I mean, if you live or own in the city, just request a meeting with them one on one. They should respond to you. You're a tax paying constituent. Uh, yeah, but, in fact, actually paying more because we yeah, pay the property yeah. taxes <laughs> for cripe's sake. Which drive rent higher? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. Well, we're really, really happy to have you on the show today, Sean. Thank you again Mm -hmm. so much. Uh, Folks, uh, donate. PacificLegal.org and Rental Housing Association, RHAWA.org. And join us again next week. Open House at Team Reba. We're here every Tuesday from 3 to 4 o'clock to talk about real estate and finance and all kinds of stuff that affects your daily lives. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at re slash Max Metro Eastside on Facebook or email info at teamreba.com. Join us again next Tuesday at 3 for more Open House with Team Reba here on Business Radio 1300 KKOL. program sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage.